please take out your Bibles this morning and turn to the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John, chapter 6. In the adult Bible class over the last few weeks, we have been looking at that section of Scripture from Matthew, where we commonly think of it as Peter's confession of faith. And this morning, we're going to begin by looking at Peter's other confession of faith out of John 6. In this chapter, Jesus has been in the synagogue at Capernaum. And he's just finished teaching. Teaching what some would consider to be some of the harder teachings. And in John chapter 6, it says in verse 66, after those harder teachings, from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. I want to call our attention to verse 69. This morning there's a question that I want for us to consider. Is there a yeah, a difference? No. Is there a difference in believing something and knowing it? Is there a difference between believing in someone and truly knowing them? I want you to think about that difference in your mind. And yes, there is a difference. And one of the reasons that we know there is a difference is right there in verse 69. John the Apostle uses both of those terms. We have come to believe and know. Now, if they mean exactly the same thing, then he's just being ridiculously redundant. Don't need to use them both if they mean the same thing. So obviously, they mean something a little bit different. You see... If you believe something, if you just simply believe something, that word belief signifies or indicates the idea that sometimes elements can be introduced that can cause you to doubt that which you believe. Elements can be introduced that somehow make it turn out to be different than you believed it would. For example, if you say, well, I, believe it was, I believed it was going to rain today, and it didn't, that, that's belief. You, you're convicted of something, you, you believe it, but sometimes, as I say, things can be introduced, events can happen that cause you to doubt that. However, if you know something... It is definite. It is certain. It is absolute. It is unshakable. I know. That is the difference between the two terms. In fact, the word know actually is defined as to come to have absolute knowledge. Not just to have absolute knowledge, but to come to have. There's a process involved. Absolute knowledge. 
The word know is defined as definite, to come to understand completely. And so when we consider those two terms, belief or believe and know, believe is sort of like the beginner's entry level. Know is the advanced level at the end. Belief or believing is sort of like being at the bottom of the escalator or the bottom of the elevator. It's where the journey begins. You certainly have to believe and you're on your way. You've entered the elevator, you've entered the escalator, you're, you're on your way, but you're still at the bottom. You've not arrived at your destination yet. You've not arrived at the top yet. That's what belief is. You could still fall short of your intended destination if you don't keep on climbing. Whereas the word no means you're there. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. For example, let me, let me contrast it this way. At the beginning of the baseball season, in April, every team in the majors believes this is their year. You know, go Red Sox, right? No. They, they believe that this is the year. This is the year they're going to do it. But, come the World Series, there's only two teams that know they're in the World Series. You see the difference? There is a difference between the two. I want us to consider our journey with Jesus. You see, our relationship or journey or life with Jesus, which begins with a person's entry level into it or simply believing in Jesus, as contrasted with truly taking all the steps and finally arriving at fully coming to know him can be seen throughout the scriptures, especially the Apostle John. For example, let us consider for a moment belief as it is indicated in John 3 and verse 16, most quoted Bible verse in the world. Now, there are some versions that do not give an accurate Greek rendering of this. The way the verse should read is, For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish. There's some that say, shall not. That's a bad trans. That's not a translation. That's a transliteration. That's a perversion. That's not what the original says. Whoever believes in Him should not perish. Should not. Leaves open the possibility they can. Because you see, if someone believes in Him, they should not perish. Because if they believe in Him then they believe in him as the Son of God. That means that what they should do at that point is then take the steps to truly come to know him. But you see, a person who simply believes in him might not do that. And if they don't do that, if they don't take the rest of the journey to knowing him, if they don't take the rest of the steps and study and, and get into this relationship with him, then they're going to perish. Whoever believes in him should not perish if they truly believe in him. Because they'll come to know him. But if they don't come to know him, they will perish. That's why it says they should not instead of shall not. Belief alone is not enough. Just getting on the escalator, just getting in the elevator is not enough. If it doesn't go anywhere, you don't go anywhere either. Belief alone is not enough. James 2 and verse 19, we're all very familiar. Even the demons believe and shudder. Sadly, there are going to be untold millions of people and demons alike, who only believed in Jesus. They never took those next steps to truly know Jesus. And therefore, 
They are not truly known by Jesus. Matthew 7, 21 through 23 in Galatians 4 and verse 9. See, those people that believe in him, just, just believe in him. Those folks, as they, as they begin that journey and they take that first step, must continue to take the rest of the steps to invest the time that is necessary to grow in their relationship, to truly come to know Him. We see this in the Scripture in many places. For example, very familiar, John chapter 8, just a couple of pages over. Check it out. John 8, verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, they already believed Him, already did, they've entered, but they're not at their destination yet. He said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Do you see that they had further to go? They already believed in him. They're already on the right track. But there was more that they had to do. They had to abide in his word. They had to take up residence there. They had to learn his word. They had to know his word. They had to live in his word. Then they would know the truth. They'd do more than believe. They would know. And the truth would set them free. You see, belief is kind of that first step, entry level, spring training level. But fully knowing is compared in John's Gospel in several places that we kind of read over. For example, go back to John 4. John 4, and we'll see this contrast again. John 4, beginning at verse 39. Story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. We've talked about her at length lately, several times. She goes back, leaves her water pot at the well after she discovers who Jesus is. And it says that she, she led the city, basically, to, to come to want to know him. And it says in verse 39, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. So they're believing, they're listening. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him. Now they've taken the time to really listen to Jesus. Now they've gotten out there and they've really listened to him. And what does that lead to? And we know that this is indeed the Christ. Do you see the comparison? We'd notice it again in John chapter 11. John chapter 11, the story of the raising of Lazarus. We're very familiar with that story as well. John chapter 11, they come up to the tomb where Lazarus is, and in verse 41 of John 11, they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me. Was anything going to change that? Was anything going to change Jesus absolutely knowing God heard him? No. That was rock solid, certain, absolute Jesus said, I know you hear me. You always hear me. There was nothing on this planet that could happen that was going to change that. That was full assurance. Rock solid. I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus was mature in his belief and trust in God. He knew God always heard him. But the voice, 
was for those around who hadn't arrived at that level of knowledge yet, that they might believe, that they might enter the escalator, that they might start to trust in God. That was the whole reason and the whole purpose. You know, even the Apostle John's epistles overall reflect this same maturation process. You might say, well, this is pretty obvious. Why are you preaching on this? Well, the reason I'm preaching on this, we're talking a lot about evangelism. Wednesday night class in particular. We're talking about growing the church. And you would be stunned and amazed, and maybe you have been stunned and amazed, at how many people out there say, all i got to do is believe. It's all i got to do to be saved is believe. There's nothing else to it. All i got to do is believe. Folks, belief is step one. A. And in all of these scriptures and in all of these things what we're seeing is is belief alone is not enough belief is where you get on the right track but you've got to put the time in to come to know jesus in fact john's epistles overall not just specific parts of them but his epistles overall show this contrast for example why was the gospel of john written his first book why was it written john 20 please turn there he tells you john 20 the purpose of his writing the gospel. John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31. And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. This gospel was written so you would begin to believe. You would start the process. You would believe in him. That's the reason for the gospel. Why did he write 1 John? He wrote 1 John, and he tells you why in 1 John 5 and verse 13. It's not so that you would believe. That was the gospel. That was the start. In 1 John chapter 5, please turn there. In verse 13, what does he say about this epistle? These things I have written to you who believe. See, they already believed in him when he writes this, that you believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. He said, the reason I'm writing to you that you believe, you know, the gospel's written, they might believe. He said, okay, you believe, and I'm writing this to you who believe, that you may know that you have eternal life. Takes it up a level, as it were. And that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You say, well, why is that there? Why would, why would he say, you already believe, these things are written that you may know, and continue to believe? Because folks, when we believe, what does that indicate? When we believe, it indicates that we've got more that we need to come to know, right? More that we need to come to learn. We need to never stop having those areas of our Christianity where we continue to grow and to know and to come to know. So he said, you know, these things are written, you may know you have eternal life, and that you may continue to believe, that you may continue to look and to study and to learn and continue that maturation process. Let me tell you something. The Apostle John did not simply believe in Jesus. He knew Jesus. He was in prison on the Isle of Patmos, Revelation 1 and verse 9. Because of the testimony of the Word of God, he knew Jesus. And they could put him, they could boil him in oil. They could 
imprisoned him on Patmos. They could do anything they wanted to John. Nothing was going to cause John to be rocked in his faith because he knew Jesus. He didn't just believe in him. Like, I believe it's going to rain today, take an umbrella, it may or may not, I want to be on the stage. It wasn't that kind of thing. He didn't just believe. He knew Jesus Christ. And so therefore, that's what carried him through. Now my question to us is, do we just simply believe in Jesus? Or do we know Jesus? And you see, that will be reflected in our life. It will be reflected in our, in our hesitancy or lack thereof when storms hit. Do we just simply believe in Him or do we know Him? We must know like John did in such a complete way and with such an ever-increasing and ever-expanding strength and knowledge that nothing on this earth can cause the least amount of doubt or dense in our faith. That's what it means to know Him. We need to make sure that God's Word isn't just something we believe in. Like, maybe if I try that it might work. Not just, there's nothing wrong with believing. We need to believe. That's step one. But we need to not just believe God's Word. We need to know God's Word is true in all facets. And we need to know so surely and so certainly that it is an unshakable part of our very being. No matter what life throws at us, no matter what Satan throws at us, we need to be absolutely confident in our knowledge of the Word and of the Son of Almighty God. That's where John was. So how can we tell if we truly know Jesus? I mean, any would say, yeah, I really know him, and, and we may believe we do. But according to God's word, how can we know if we truly know Jesus? What are some of the indicators? What are some of the, some of the signs that prove that we don't just simply believe in him, but that we know him? The Apostle John wrote the book on knowing Jesus, and I want to share with you a few texts out of 1 John that will show us whether or not we know Him. The first one is in 1 John 2, beginning at verse 3. Very simple. Now by this, we know that we know Him. John says, I'm going to throw something out there. I'm going to throw something out there that is proof positive that you truly know Jesus. This is how you can know that you know him. That you don't just believe in him, but that you know him. If we keep his commandments. Do the demons believe in Jesus, James 2.19? Yes, they believe. Do they keep his commandments? No, they don't keep his commandments. There's going to be a lot of people, Matthew 7, 21 through 23, who believed they were okay with Jesus, but he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. They didn't truly know him, so he didn't truly know them. So, we want to get away from that belief. We want to get up the escalator. And he says, this is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him also himself to walk, just as Jesus walked. You see, the demons believe, but they don't keep it. 
But those who truly know Jesus keep his commandments. They know because they've studied. They, they believe in him as the Son of God, but they've looked into who he is and, and what he is and what he says, and they've studied and they've, they've gone on and they've come to truly know him, and you can tell by their submission to him. That's John's point in 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6. Those who truly know Jesus walk like Jesus. What does that mean? It means when you read the Gospels and you see how Jesus treated people. When you see how Jesus interacted with people. Those people who truly know him look the same way. They do the same things. They have trained themselves to get rid of that old man of sin. And they walk the same way Jesus walked. In his integrity. And in his sincerity. And his faith. And his compassion. They look like Jesus. That's how you can tell whether or not they truly know him. Our humble submission to his authority. Because of our learned recognition of who he is. Is proof that we know him. We go on in chapter 2 and we would start at verse 9. Another indicator. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and doesn't know where he's going because darkness has blinded his eyes. This is very similar to verse 4 in the same chapter that we just covered. Talk is cheap. Claims are vain. And words are pointless. Truly knowing Jesus is all about action, submission, and humble obedience to the word of the living God, even when it comes to our relationships with one another, especially when it comes to our relationships with one another. In chapter 2, beginning at verse 21, again, look at the difference between believing and knowing. Verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise he has promised us, eternal life. Eternal life is an absolute promise from a God who cannot lie for those who truly know him and his word, verse 21, and submit to it. It's a great thing to know that you know him. Look at that promise. Those who believe in him enough to get to know him by getting to know his word and submitting to it can know for certain that they have that promise of eternal life. That is the truth that sets us free. What else can we know? Well, over in John 3, verses 14 and 15, there's another way we can know we know. We know that we passed out of death from life based on our sincere love of the brethren. John 3, 14. We know we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. We know this. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is another test of how we know. When we truly love the brethren. And when I talk about loving the brethren, this is a biggie. A lot of this in 1 John. Talk about loving the brethren. Not just talking about, hi, how are you this morning? 
I'm just talking about when we're in the church building. We're talking about when the brethren say things that cut us. We're talking about when the brethren do things that upset us. We're talking about when the brethren do things they have to know. But we're talking about all of those things. We're talking about when brother so-and-so walks up to me and has a snide comment. To still love him then? That's God's love. Did Jesus love the disciples when they made mistakes? Does Jesus love you when you make mistakes? That's what kind of love he's talking about. And if we can do that, we can know that we have eternal life. How, how do we know what that type of love looks like? Well, he goes on to tell us the next few verses. Look in verse 16 and following. By this, we know love. There's no doubt about it. We don't just believe in love. We don't just think love is there. We don't just feel love. It's not about our feelings. We know what love looks like. There's no doubt. We're certain. Here's what it looks like. Verse 16. By this, we know love. Because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Would you lay down your life? We, we all, you know, we hear the stories and we say, yeah, I'd lay down my life. I'd take a bullet from a brother. But would we take harsh words from our brother? That's how we know love. Because Jesus did it the right way. Verse 17, But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need shuts up his heart from him. How does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Jesus didn't just say, I love you. Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood and proved it. That's how we know what love looks like. We look at the cross. For a people who didn't deserve it. For a Christ who goes to the cross and he prays. Luke tells us, Father, please forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's love. It's not just when they treat you right. It's when they spike you to a piece of wood to die. But if we can love like that because we understand how Christ loves us, we can know that we have eternal life. That's what it looks like. We see this process in evidence from belief to know again in verses 23 and 4 of the same chapter. And then in chapter 4, he then goes on to once again show us that we can know based on our relationships with one another if we're truly loving like Jesus. Look at 1 John 4 but verse 8. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. In this is love. There's no doubt about this. We know this. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. God made the first move. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know. This is how we know, John says. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. We are the same spirit. That same spirit leads us to do what Christ did as the spirit that led Christ. This is, this is the same thing. That's how we know. When we love one another as God has loved us, and when we look at, I'm, I'm sorry, and when we live and love and look like Jesus, you know what that does? 
When we love like Christ, and we live like Christ, and we look like Christ, you know what that does? That gives us confidence for the day of judgment. How many people over the years, between all of us, myself included, have we seen pass from this earthly life with no idea what comes next? Not knowing where they stand with God. And it's such a terrible thing to sit there in those hospital rooms and watch those people pass with no earthly idea, no confidence whatsoever for the day of judgment because they're not Christians or they've not been faithful Christians. Even some faithful Christians struggle with some of those questions. But to watch those people pass. When, when my time comes, if, if God doesn't just take me suddenly someday, when my time comes, if I'm laying in a hospital bed, I don't want to lay there in that bed, scared to death, that I don't know God. I mean, at that point, nothing else is going to matter, whether you know God or not. I don't want to lay there and be terrified, <coughs> wondering. And the scripture tells us here in 1 John, this is so beautiful. We don't, have to, we don't have to be in that deathbed wondering. We don't have to be. Look, look at what he said. He said that if we love like he has loved, if we look like Jesus looks, look what he says that does for us in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 4. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is so are we in this world. The person that knows Jesus is the person who has believed in him and has studied him and looked at him and is led by what the Spirit has laid down here in the Scriptures and, is, and, and has that same Spirit and loves people. And if we're like him, read verses 16 and 17 again. If we're like Jesus in this world, if we look like Jesus in this world, guess what? That gives us confidence for the day of judgment. We can know that because we know Jesus and we reflect Jesus and we know God's word, we know his promise, we know Jesus Christ. Not just believing him, but we know him. We can lay there in that bed on that day. We can have confidence, not because we're good, because we're not. God's the only one that's good. He's holy and he's right and he's perfect and he's pure. But it's his blood that's cleansed us. I want that confidence on the day of judgment. I want to know when I'm laying there that I can be confident of what comes next. And the only way I can know that is to know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection. To know what he's all about and to try with every fiber of my being to be like him in this world. Again, verses 15 and 16, this is crucial. Of 1 John chapter 4, if you want confidence on the day of judgment, John says you can know you have it and here's how you do it. What a beautiful passage. What an empowering passage. We also both know and show that we love both God and His children. 
simply by our obedience to his commandments. Not what we think, not what we feel. People, I just feel I was saved this way. I don't care what you feel. I don't mean to be disrespectful. But the only way we can know for sure that we're saved and have that confidence is by obeying God's commandments. The only way that we know we love the brethren is by obeying God's commandments. Look what he says in 1 John 5, verses 2 and 3. By this... We know that we love. Notice the word no. We don't just believe it. We know it. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep His commandments. You say, well, what's the tie-in? How does that work? Listen. <laughs> what was the point of all of God's commandments? What's the first and greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Second one's like it. Love your neighbors yourself. If we look at the Ten Commandments, if we, if, if we look at those commandments and all the commandments He gave the Jews and the commandments that He gave us in the New Testament, especially the ones about love, we're never going to hurt each other on purpose. Is that right? Sometimes we make mistakes. But if we keep all of His commandments the New Testament, we're never going to hurt our brothers and sisters, are we? If we keep every one of them, right? His commandments are designed... So that we can show love to one another. And when we do that, we show love to God when we show love to His children. Listen, if you've got kids, and somebody just loves and dotes on your kids or grandchildren, does that reflect a love for you? Yeah. What if somebody can't stand your kids? Does that mean they love you? No. You see, when we love the children of God, we're showing God our love for Him. And that all comes back to keeping His commandments. And His commandments are full of love. For this is the love of God, verse 3 of 1 John 5, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. But as we continue and get ready to conclude this 1 John overview on knowing, knowing, not just believing, but knowing these things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Most of all, as we wrap this up, the Apostle John wants Christians to know absolutely rock-solid, unshakable, completely certain. He wants, God wants you to know, every one of you this morning, He wants you to know that you can know that when that day comes for you, that you have eternal life in Christ Jesus. 1 John is about assurance. It's about knowing for certain. 1 John 5 and verse 10. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. Belief, right here in verse 10, just like we said earlier, is where it all starts. It's where it all begins. When we come to believe in Jesus Christ as the Messiah and the Son of the living God, we should not perish. Because at that point, what we should do is come to know Him once we have believed in Him. And this is where he starts here. you got to believe first. Verse 10. Verse 11. And this is the testimony. He says, okay, let's take it up the next step. you got to believe. Here, here's the testimony you need to believe. That God has given us. Notice this is past tense. It's already there for us. God has given us eternal life. And this life is in His Son. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe He's the Messiah, if you believe that God had the Bible written and God is God and this is God's Word, if you believe that, if you believe that testimony, that eternal life is in His Son, and you search it out and you read the scriptures and you come to find out that's where eternal life is, is in Christ Jesus. And you truly want to know you have salvation, what are you going to do? 
you're going to get into Christ Jesus where eternal life is found, aren't you? Yes. You know, this verse here, that eternal life is in His Son, does not deny baptism. People can say, baptism doesn't occur there. Well, yeah, it kind of does. Because the only way into Christ, eternal life is in His Son. If I say to you, there's something in this plate, and it's good, the only way for you to know that is to get at least part of you into the plate to find out what it is, right? Well, it's the same idea if you picture this big container. If eternal life is in Christ, it's located here, then you've got to get into Christ. And if eternal life is in Christ, the only way you get into Christ, according to the Scriptures in Galatians 3.26 and 7 and Romans 6.3 and 4, is through baptism. You are baptized into Christ. For the forgiveness of your sins, Acts 2.38. So we need to get into Christ. Verse 12. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the same promise and premise that we were given in Romans 8, 9, and 11 where it says, But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Christ has to live in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Christ must live in you. That's verse 12. And then he sums it up this way in verse 13. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. You've already entered that escalator. I've written these things to you who believe in the name that you may know that you have eternal life. God wants you to know. And the only way you're going to know is by knowing what's here once you come to believe in Christ and obeying it. And when we do come to know and follow God and His Word, look at this final beautiful promise in verses 19 and 20. We know. There's no doubt about it. We don't just believe it. We don't just think it. We don't get this warm feeling. We, we know. We know. That we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And we know, there's no doubt about this, that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding that we may know Him who is true, and we are in Him, again, that baptism into Christ, we're in Christ where eternal life is, and we are in Him who is true, in His Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life, period. And you can know that you have it if you're willing to get to know God and His Word and do what He said and keep His commandments. I have a couple of questions as we close. Question this morning. Are you somebody who still simply only believes in God? You believe in Jesus. You know He's the Son of God. You believe that. 
leaving open the possibility that you could still perish because you just believe. You haven't obeyed His commandments. You haven't gotten into Christ where eternal life is. You simply believe in Him. But you haven't obeyed Him. You haven't come to truly know Him. Are you one of those or are you somebody who truly does know Him? You know His Word. You know the power of His resurrection. Because you have obeyed His commandments and you continue to obey His commandments when it comes to all of those things we've talked about. Because here's the thing. If you don't know Jesus like that, if you're not in Christ where eternal life is, if you're not keeping His commandments, then the Bible says you truly don't know Him. And here's the scary thing. That passage I mentioned earlier in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, many are going to say to Him on that day, Lord, we've done all these fantastic things. And then He's going to say to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. We never had a relationship. You didn't ever come to really know me, so I don't know you. You're no relation of mine. You're not my child. I don't know who you are. I'm begging you this morning. If you only believe in Jesus, you need to get to know Jesus. Because if you don't know Jesus, there's going to come a day when Jesus is going to have to say to you, I don't know you. He died so he could get to know you. Will you accept that gift of his relationship this morning by being baptized into Christ, by repenting, turning from your previous life, being baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and then walking on faithfully, obeying his commandments when it comes to everything else? Would you do that this morning? Let me tell you what, it's worth it because I get there on that day. I want to have assurance as I lay there in that hospital bed, if that's the way it happens, that when I get there that day, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. You want to hear that? If you don't absolutely know this morning that that's what you're going to hear based on the Word of God, you've got to fix some things. If you have a need, will you please come to the front as we stand and as we sing?